I'm flying solo today without any of my staff because this is an afternoon show. We usually do it at night, so I'm having to push all the buttons. Oh man! Yeah, we got it though. I, I'm a. I got it. We got it. Record. Original sound on. Oh. Live on Facebook. Interview with Amanda Faith, advocate against fentanyl use. Well, good evening and good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is your host, C.L. King, coming to you live from the High Definition Studios at Impacting Life 24-7. And we're blessed to have in our virtual studios a lady who has a story that's going to really impact you. And the way that story is going to impact you is it's going to touch your life because her story has touched my life. And I'm not going to do a very long introduction because I want to get right to it. And so if you guys would help me, help me welcome to our virtual studios, Miss Amanda Faith. She has a tremendous story to share about her son, Luca, who at 13 years old succumbed to the vices of fentanyl. And so with that, I'm going to bring her on now. Hey, Miss. Hello. Hey, Miss Luca. How? I mean, Miss. I'm sorry. I said Luca. <laughs> Hello, Amanda. How are you? I normally go by Luca's mom. I am well. Yes, yourself? Luca's mom. Yes, I, and <laughs> and uh, like I said, remember, I was pu- I'm the one pushing all the buttons. So I don't know if yeah. you're, I don't know if you heard the music or not, but it, I think it has <laughs> to take you out for a second. So you were kind of like backstage. But yeah. Anyway, yeah. we're so thankful to have you live with us on Impacting Life twenty four seven. Um, and we have been trying to get this meeting together for some time now, haven't we? We have, we have. Yeah, uh, and, and mid March. Yeah, so. about mid March. And um, yes. I, I, I would love to tell just a, a, for a brief moment. I'm gonna tell the story after we hear a little bit from Amanda how we kind of got connected. But Amanda, if you would tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, I. I'm a 42-year-old mother from Redding, California, who is a fentanyl poisoning awareness advocate after losing my 13-year-old child. Yeah, and the Amanda's a story is so compelling that uh, People Magazine picked up her story about and they did a they did a story about, you know, fentanyl overdoses and and deaths. And the interesting thing, how Amanda and I kind of connected was almost by, I I call it a a God moment, but you guys may look at it a little different. I was received, we were received. Say again? (laughs) Kismet? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We, we, (laughs) I was receiving the People magazine in the mail, ladies and gentlemen, and it wasn't for me. It was actually to my address, so I didn't steal it. But it was not addressed to me because I hadn't ordered any People magazines. So I said, well, there's nobody on my street. I don't know anyone around here. So I'll just keep them since it came to my address. 
And I, the, the People magazine that stood out to me was one that I read because we had been working on getting our I Won't Try campaign up. And I saw this story about a, a lady and her son in, in the magazine. And it was a tremendous story that gripped my heart. Uh, I immediately identified with it. I told my staff about it. I told my staff about her. And um, I want you, Amanda, to tell us the story, if you would. I know it's I, we are very sensitive and mindful of that. This is still very, very fresh. It'll be fresh for you for the rest of your life. But if you would yes. just tell us the story of this beautiful young man named Luca and uh, the, the, the road that he traveled down. Well, that one has to start with Luca's heart okay. because Luca was my hero. He was the human I wanted to be when I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, he was magnanimous. There was just an energy about him. No one was unhappy with Luca in the room. <laughs> and he he cared very much for other people. He was very altruistic and kind. Um, as a matter of fact, when he was five years old, he threw his first toy drive for other people because we were getting ready to move. And I told him, or I asked him rather, if we could have friends bring gift cards or cash for his birthday rather than gifts right. because we were moving to Hawaii. And I said, as it is, we're going to have to give half of your toys to kids that don't have any. And he put his little hands on his hips and got such an attitude. And he says, why don't we get new toys for the kids that don't have any? Um, And so I told him I would and we made it happen. And, you know, it became tradition. So, you know, this kid was just he was just a beautiful, beautiful spirit. I mean, a week before he passed away, he nagged me about making spaghetti and going to feed the homeless because that was something we did very regularly. Um, Mm. And, you know, he, he needed that boost, you know, I mean, living in service of others always made him feel good about himself, regardless of what bullying was going on or anything that was going on in his life, it was something that made him feel good because he had been bullied. He was, he was overweight. You know, there were different, different things that, you know, kids really, really pick on. Um, so in that he had started to experiment with marijuana. Mm. Um, and his father and I, Um, we discovered it and immediately called each other. We lived in separate households. Um, and we had a co-parenting meeting with Luca and, you know, asked him, you know, what it did for him, all these things. Um, we got him into therapy, you know, on medications. Um, and about a week before Luca died in August of 2020, um, he had a root canal And he reached out to a dealer on Snapchat to get marijuana, saying that his mouth hurt. Mm -hmm. And the dealer offered him a Percocet um, that turned out to be pure fentanyl. Um, There was no Percocet in the press tablet at all. Um, But Luca had taken a photo of the tablet 
and actually done an internet search. And according to detectives, to Luca, it seems legit. Mm. Um, so Luca crunched it up on his on his table, and he took a video of himself snorting it. Mm. And in that video, you can see the millisecond that he died. Oh, wow. It was described to me. I can't watch it for obvious reasons. Yeah. Um, it was described in court because the dealer that sold to Luca on Snapchat was arrested and charged with first degree murder after an 11 month investigation. Mm. Um, he is the first person in Shasta County to be charged for homicide in any drug related case. And Lucas was the first ever investigated as a homicide from day one. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that are tuning in or listening to our podcast or international podcast, I am joined in the virtual studios via phone. We, we tried the, we tried zoom, but uh, <laughs> Murphy got involved. So we said, look, we're going to use plain old telephone service. And I'm joined in the virtual studios by Amanda Faith. You guys can look on my page, look on my Facebook Live, and you can see her beautiful son, Luca Manuel. And um, we're talking about uh, kind of the story that happened with Luca. Now, there's there's a couple layers to this that I want us to understand, okay? Because all of all of the things that Luca went through are campaigns and issues that we here at Impacting Life 24-7 LLC have tackled. The first one is bullying. Now, he was experiencing bullying in school uh, as it, it was recent, right? It was, it was you know, shortly before his his use of, 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 of marijuana or did that precipitate it or what? Um, I, I definitely think that, you know, it it added to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Luca had, when we had lived in Hawaii, we lived in a predominantly, um, Filipino area. So mm -hmm. he had been bullied for being white. Mm -hmm. Then when we moved back, he was bullied for being overweight. So, I mean, it was a, it was an ongoing thing that we had done everything we could right. to try to, you know, alleviate, but it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. And, you know, again, when we talk about bullying, we, we uh, have a campaign here in North Carolina, Bully Free in NC. And here's the deal, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to be very candid that we cannot put our head in the sand and we cannot become like ostriches and assume that these things do not affect our kids. Now, we can talk about, you know, being tough and suck it up, et cetera. But these kids have their own generational issues to deal with and bullying bullying is still a very real listen when somebody makes a comment on my show that says your your show's terrible you know it affects me even though i am the even though i am the impact motivator known all across the globe it's still when i get one comment it still impacts me negatively and so and that's why mm -hmm. I, I think kids actually have it worse than we do. Yes. Kids. I know for a fact, because not only are they bullied in person when they're at school, they get no reprieve from it. Right. 
because they have their electronics and they have all of these platforms where, you know, humans just have a tendency to be cruel. Yeah. Um, and that's what got me into advocacy. It, it wasn't losing Luca. I knew that sharing Luca's story would be very, very important because I had worked with at-risk youth for over a decade, mm-hmm. and I didn't know fentanyl was in the illicit drug supply. Mm. And that's a really big deal. If I didn't know, then how many other people didn't know? Because I'm a pretty informed person. Right. And so I, you know, I, I couldn't wait to tell Luca's story. Um, five months after Luca died, three young men died directly across the street from my driveway. What? And yeah, yeah, they, um, had gotten together. It was right when the pandemic was starting to ease up a little bit, you know, um, and they had gotten together thinking they were going to party with cocaine. Um, and all three died from fentanyl poisoning. Oh my. Yeah. What was it? What was it? What was it assumed the drug was? They thought that they were taking cocaine. They thought that they were doing lines of coke, just going to party together and, you know, have a good time. Um, As far as I know, they weren't regular drug users, but I mean, um, fentanyl doesn't really care. Right. Um, So, you know, the bullying, I, I went on to, the news article, you know, about these three young men, I was going to offer my condolences to their families because I knew firsthand how painful it was to lose a loved one to fentanyl poisoning. And the comments from the people in my community, I couldn't believe I lived and worked and shopped with these people. There were comments like one less druggie in the world. You play, you pay. And probably a thousand. Don't people know drugs are dangerous? Oh, my. Um, and so I earned my first Facebook ban. <laughs> but you didn't stay silent. I'm, no, no, right. I couldn't. Right. I couldn't. But then, you know, I've, I've been a behavioral therapist for a number of years, so I had to sit with why I was triggered. Okay. And I was triggered not only because of the the bullying that happens on the internet, you know, but I was, I was triggered because I realized that the stigma of drug related death and fentanyl poisoning awareness do not mesh. They absolutely do not. The stigma as an awareness advocate, the stigma is my worst enemy because people do think along those lines those first lines I heard, that's why I became an advocate. Yeah. I would have advocated somehow for awareness, but not on such a large scale. So I started, you know, faces or the faces of accidental fentanyl poisoning on Facebook. And I started collecting photos Mm. um, because I shared Luca's story in private groups. I couldn't share yet because of the investigation publicly. Right. Um, So I started sharing his story in private groups and it was like a different sort of me too movement. Mm -hmm. So many parents, and these were just grieving parent groups. And so many parents were saying, yeah, my son forever 23, forever 16, forever, 
you know, and these pictures just, I, I have over 4,000 pictures of kids in my phone. 4,000? Oh, yeah. You know how much storage I've had to pay for? <laughs> but, um, yeah. So I started compiling the pictures and making these slideshow videos, just rapid change because it's, you're like, wow, all of these people. Yeah. All of these people did die. Um, and I started, as soon as I could, I started sharing Luca's story <clears throat> with anyone who would listen. Right. You know, we had Thomson Reuters, we had the daily caller, we had, you know, you name it, you name it. Right. Um, and then a, an American journalist got a hold of me to do a story for a Swedish broadcast. And I said, yeah, okay. You know, I legally wasn't even supposed to share Luca's story yet, but this was going to be in Sweden, so it didn't matter. Yeah. So I talked to this journalist extensively, extensively. And, you know, we do the story and everything. And she gets back a hold of me because I had pitched a faces of fentanyl poisoning story Mm -hmm. because the more faces we show the more impact all of that she gets back a hold of me and says yeah let's do it and so i started giving her parents names and all of this and then the editor was going to do one just on luca and whatever editors switched and then the faces of fentanyl poisoning came out in people magazine now, so. now here, here's the deal. And ladies and gentlemen, those of you tuning in live, I'm joined in our virtual studios by Miss Amanda Faith. And it took us several months. It actually took us until now from earlier beginning of this year, March time frame to now for us to be able to sit down and talk. Uh, but I knew how important this was. Uh, number one, it's like I felt like, man, I, I want to join the the campaign um against fentanyl you know i'm sitting here in my studios just like i told amanda in our pre-show that you know my nephew jordan murray uh fell victim to an overdose and that was july 21st 2020 and i will never i'll never forget the shock that that i felt and here's what we have to do here's what we have to remember um, this is this is one reason why I am so thankful for people like you, Amanda, is because you could very well go into an isolated cave and you would be justified for doing so. Yeah. You know, you could very well seclude and sequester yourself from the rest of humanity because of the grief and anguish and hurt that you've gone through. But. What what just absolutely amazes me is the fortitude and the vulnerability mixed together in a person like you, Amanda, to, to come out and share this very, very delicate story. But it's so important. And we uh, well, go ahead. You know, I told you Luca was my hero. I try to think about what he would do. Right. And he always helped others. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. I saw, I saw on your page, some of the, uh, some of the cool things that he did. He seemed like just an amazing young man, like just reading his story and looking through some of your posts, you can feel his spirit. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can. He was absolutely, absolutely magnanimous. Um, <clears throat> when he was born, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. So, you know, I lived in a perpetual state of fear of dying and leaving my kids behind. So I, I raised them very fast forward. Mm-hmm. So while Luca was only 13 and very much had the decision-making skills of a child. He was very, very mature and smart for his age. Um, I thought that he was too smart to try trucks and I was wrong. Right. Um, you know, and that's, that's unfortunate, but that's exactly why I have to share his story. You know, he made his life count and did a fabulous job of job of it. Um, but it's my job to make his death count. That's that's powerful. Again, joined by Amanda Faith here. And you can uh, everyone. I would love for you guys to share this story. You can connect with her. Watch. You can find her on Facebook. She's traveling right now all across the country. And so I was blessed to be able to catch her at one of her pit stops uh, there up north. And so. When, when we talk about the second layer that, that Amanda and I have discussed, this one is serious, okay? Because I think, listen, Amanda, we share now literally everything, right? Are you seeing yeah. that? Yeah, We share, Absolutely. I go to a fan, I take charity to a fancy restaurant and before I even put my fork in the food, I got to take a picture of it and share it with everybody, let everybody know what I'm about to eat. You know what I mean? Who in the world does that? Right. But that has I've been, been putting off posting food pictures just exactly for that reason. You know what I'm saying? I mean, so it's like, this is where we are in our, in our state. This is our social culture that we share literally everything. But oh. one of the problems that Amanda and I have, and I'm going to let her elaborate on this is is these social media platforms that have this privacy piece that kids can use and parents can't see. It's it's called Snapchat. Give us your thoughts on that, Amanda. Well, um <clears throat> I I find I think that Snapchat is culpable in my son's death. Mm-hmm. Um Absolutely, because it it's an encrypted app, first off. Right. And they don't allow any parental monitoring. No, Lucas shouldn't have had it on his phone. Um, but, you know, how closely do parents out there monitor their children's phones every single day? Right. And how easy it, is it to delete an app and then re-add it later on in the day? Right. You know, you just you're just deleting it from your screen. You know, we all know that those tricks. Right. Um, so, you know, <clears throat> having an encrypted app for any child, you know, is at this point, if, if hindsight, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Right. Um, he would have a phone that was just pay as you go with nothing but phone phone calls. Right. Right. Um, you know. Well, you know, um, and you know, Amanda, I've I've talked about that in our um, techno turnoff night. We've done that several times here in in North Carolina. We've uh, challenged young people to turn off their technology. Now, listen, I'm not going. I'm not suggesting. Okay, everybody, hear me now. I'm not suggesting that we go back to the caveman days of using a rock and chisel. 
Uh, but but what I am saying is is that, like she said, these encrypted apps they are the breeding grounds for predators, drug dealers, molesters. They they are the breeding grounds for those people. Would you agree, Amanda? Absolutely. Snapchat is good for nothing but nefarious activity. Right. When it first came out, we thought it was for sending nude pictures. I, I know I did, didn't you? I surely did. You know, why why do you need to have something that disappears? Right. Like I remember when my husband first downloaded it, I was like, Are you cheating on me? Right. Um, you know, and that's what it was, and I always saw it for what it was, and I never had it. But my son did. Yeah. And so you know, and so when um, when when Luca had his uh and then so then there's the third piece that that really intrigues me is that the the gentleman that sold Luca this what was supposed to be a pain pill right and let me just tell you let me just let me just everybody knows my story um my book is coming out here July 24th who ate my brownie but there's a part that I've talked about and I don't talk about it in the book but I've talked about uh, opioids and I've talked about the power of them and how I was legally, I was legally doctor prescribed on opioids for seven years. And those seven years are almost erased from my memory bank. It was, it was a block of time that I can't remember, but I can tell you this. It was the first thing I thought about when I woke up was taking my pill. And it was the last thing Absolutely. I it was the last thing I thought about at night was taking my pill. So it's a powerful pull. It's a powerful thing. And what what Amanda said earlier was these comments from these insensitive human beings to say, well, one less junkie, one less druggy, one less whatever. We've got to be mindful that uh, this is powerful, ladies and gentlemen, and and we need to have some compassion and awareness. Well, as I'm counseling parents a lot of the time, you know, you, I've heard so many parents say, you know, he had a car accident and broke his femur and they prescribed him oxys, right. oxycodone. And then, you know, he needed more and more and then they cut him off. Yes. So he started getting it from dealers and whoa, now he's a heroin addict. Wow. You know, I mean, it, it happens all the time. It happens to my, mo- my own mother. Oh, really? Um, yeah, which is another reason I was so surprised that Luca would ever, ever risk it. I mean, then I thought the biggest risk was addiction. Right. And now I know the biggest risk is getting fentanyl and not ever waking up. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and fentanyl does not care if someone is a first time user or an addict. It doesn't care if they're 13. It doesn't care if they're 30. You know, um, we have to be mindful and we have to be aware of how our country is really suffering right now. Right. It's, it's an underground, you know, it's an underground epidemic. Uh, and one of the things that bothers me is that, you know, we, we have all these things that we address. And I challenge even my local leaders. Uh, my city council and commissioners and board of ed and sheriff's department. I challenge them when I, whenever I have them on this show to give me some indications of what we're going to do. See, here's the problem, Amanda. Sometimes 
we feel in leadership that not talking about it solves the problem? Absolutely not. (laughs) Right now, our biggest problem fighting fentanyl poisoning is the stigma. We absolutely 